This is Bill Newman, WHMP. This is Monty Belmonte in for Bill Newman, and it is time for our regular chat with Max Page, the president of the Massachusetts Teachers Association, your state, you and Max, for the last couple of months, if not years, really, because this has been a long process, a long time coming. We've been talking about what is now being referred to as question one, the fair share amendment. This is something that very nearly made it to the Massachusetts ballots in a previous election, but a, a wording snag kept it away from the voters. It will be an amendment to the Massachusetts Constitution that will levy an additional tax on people with income over a million dollars. It is question one on the ballot. Today is the last day of early in-person voting. There is some absentee in-person voting, which I didn't even know was a thing that will go through Monday. Uh, Mail-in voting, your ballots should hopefully already be in, or you can vote in person on Tuesday if you haven't already. Your last pitch for question one, Max, before I will take on the role of inside the 495 Boston Beltway Boston guy and try to come at this question from a different perspective than you're advocating for. Well, yes, and to be clear, in case it hasn't been clear for the past six years, I am yes on one. Yes on question one. The Massachusetts Teachers Association, along with a huge network of community groups, labor groups, faith-based groups in the Raise Up Mass Coalition has been fighting for this change for years. Just to be clear, the the since we're nearing the end here, we're voting, finally voting on, uh, people have already been voting, of course, but there's the election day on, on Tuesday. This is something we've been trying to do and I hope we'll be successful in doing for the first time in over a hundred years. In November of, no of 1915, um, there was a vote in which the, they changed the constitution to say there shall be an income tax, but it will be a flat rate. There shall be no graduated income tax, meaning different rates for different people. That is different higher rates for wealthier people as we have in the federal um, tax system, as we have in 32 other states. Massachusetts is the minority of states that has a flat tax. So what we're doing is simply changing that to add one additional tax bracket for income over $1 million a year. Now, I think a lot of people that are more conservative leaning or maybe have not given a lot of thought into the economics of how taxes work think flat tax sounds fair. If I make a million dollars, I pay whatever it is, 4% on that million dollars. If I make $30,000, I still pay 4%. It's the same percentage of my income. Why isn't that fair? Why can't we just leave it that way? Because uh, it's a, you know, in my mind, it's a basic principle that those who are wealthier have, have benefited um, from all the investments we make together as a community, and they have the capacity to and um, to pay a little bit more. And it also helps create a democratic society that has, has greater um, equality. We have a growing inequality, that is the distance between the wealthiest and the poorest. And ultimately that's really, really destructive of a kind of a sense of being part of a, a common community. And so that there are multiple reasons for this uh, tax amendment. One is tax fairness. The wealthiest pay overall state, local sales taxes is a much smaller proportion of their income. That is the 1% pay a smaller portion of their income than the poorest 10%. And how does that make sense that people who are most struggling pay the greatest portion of their income in, income, in, in, in various forms of taxes, including the income tax? So that's partly what we're trying to reverse. But 
The other half of it is that all the money that's generated from the less than 1% of people who will pay this tax goes to, and it will be in the Constitution that the money must go to public education, pre-K through higher ed, and roads, bridges, and public transportation systems. Okay, now I'm going to take on the role of basically everybody I grew up with inside the 495 Beltway of Give Massachusetts. Give I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready, Monty. And I will do it in a Boston accent just to make it uh, more realistic. Okay, what if I make a million dollars selling my house? Now all of a sudden the state's going to come after that money? I... Why would why would I want to support something like this? It's my one. It's my nest egg. It's my retirement. Why would I want to give it to the state? Monty, I have some bad news for you. What's that? You're never paying this tax. Not You're even when I sell my house. Look, look, I bought my house in 1998 and it cost me $200,000, and now I'm going to be able to sell it for $1.3 million. They're going to take all my money away. All right, let's take your house in Rosie, Roslindale, for those of us in Western Mass. <laughs> so, look, that house you bought for $200,000 went up to $1.3. Okay, so that's a $1.1 million gain, right? That means you gained an extra, you profited, let's call it that. All right, but you, you had to have put on a new roof at some point. Yeah. New boiler. Yeah. Paint the house. All right. Let's call that over the years. I'm going to call it a hundred thousand bucks. You put in there over the years. You take that off the top of that gain. So now you've gained $1 million. All right. So yeah. You don't even pay anything. You had $1 million plus. Let me add something. Um, as far as I know, you're married. You take a half a million dollars off of the gain. So really your reported gain on your taxes on that house half a million dollars. So here's nowhere near that. So let me tell you, last year, we looked at this really closely. There were 100,000, almost exactly 100,000 home sales in the state of Massachusetts in an, in an overinflated um, housing market. How many, Mr. Roslindale resident, how many do you think would have been affected? How many of those house sales would have been affected by this tax we hope to pass on, on Tuesday? 100,000 houses? Is that what you said? 100,000 houses sold. How many do you think would have hit this kind of over million dollar gain that would have been affected by the tax? 30% of the houses. Right, well, that's a good that's a good that's a really good guess. So try the number 895. Out of 100,000 houses, less than 1% is going to be affected by this new tax if it that passes what, oh, yes on one. We did it last year. And the average home sale of those 895 homes was $3.8 million. So, so these are your house. No, these are like on the coast of the Cape, then the North Shore, all that. All right. Exactly. All right, Smarty Pants, president of the Mass Teachers Association, <laughs> supporting the fair share amendment. Question one on the ballot on Tuesday or whenever you're going to vote. We are in a period of historic tax revenue in this state. We're even going to get a refund because of a surplus. Why on earth would we change this tax status right now and tax the rich even more when we have all this surplus we don't even know what to do with? We need a dedicated source of funds, Monty, so that we can make the investments like hiring more teachers in classrooms, like, you know, making 
public transportation much more affordable, like always being able to have the money to fix the potholes and streets. We have a one-time surplus, and we're actually going to spend it on some good things this week, with the legislature's voting on some of that. But we need a long-term permanent source of funds, and that's what this gives us. Not just one-time money, but up to $2 billion every single year. And that means, by the way, if we're going to be able to generate $2 billion every year, and it actually might be higher than that, that means that the people at the top are not millionaires. They are multimillionaires and billionaires. And that's why the entire no side of the campaign is funded by four billionaires and two multimillionaires. Is one of them Period. Robert Kraft? Uh, yes, indeed. One of them is Robert Kraft. I don't know. I love the Patriots. Maybe I can't support. Yes, on question one. <laughs> you can. I, I love the Patriots, too. You can love the, the players on the field, but Bob Kraft has never thrown uh, a touchdown pass or, you know, so you can actually enjoy the players and the team and not necessarily be happy about how he's funding this, this no side. All right. Last question before my friend Christopher Belmonte here goes away and Monty Belmonte comes back. How can we guarantee this isn't going to be a slush fund for Beacon Hill legislators? They, we traditionally, especially in the Western part of the state where dragons live, I've never been there. I know they get overlooked in regards to what happens with tax revenue and Beacon Hill, how are we going to guarantee that this is going to be used for what it's supposed to be used for, which allegedly is schools and roads? So, look, this is the highest form of law. This is in the Constitution. They can't just change this on a vote. Sometimes they've done that in the past. They changed what happened on a ballot initiative. This is a change to our Constitution, and it names schools, colleges, roads, and bridges, and transportation systems right in the constitutional amendment. So that's the major thing. The other thing is we're not going away. We have a network of several hundred organizations, the, the biggest union, we're the largest union in the state, and we are going to be make sure that money gets spent in the right way. And there was some news this week, which is um, the governor, perhaps governor-elect Healy after Tuesday, very likely, said she would veto any attempt by the legislature to divert the money elsewhere and that she has been very clear this money must be spent in addition to what we're already spending so we feel very sure that the the legislature has to honor this and will honor it because we will be watching them all right max well i'll seriously consider what you've had to say about this and i'll turn it back over to monty belmonte Oh, hi, it's me, Monty Belmonte. Hey, welcome back. Oh, thank you. I, Christopher Belmonte was filling in for uh, Bill Newman there for a while, but I now I'm back. And uh, the, we, full disclosure, Max, you and I had been conspiring and behind the scenes about <laughs> how to get this message out about this question one and about the millionaire's tax, about the fair share amendment. And what I would like to add to the conversation, and Max alluded to this before, I am never going to make a million dollars in one year ever. You who are listening are probably never going to make a million dollars in one year. If you do, congratulations. That is amazing. But you're not. Sorry. You're not going to win the big lottery jackpot for the million dollars. You're going to live your normal life, going to your normal job, making hopefully a good enough paycheck to feed your family and keep a roof over your head. But you are not going to make a million dollars. This is not going to affect you except for the fact that your roads may be a little bit smoother, your bridges may work, your schools will be funded to a level where they should have been funded all along, 
Your kids will be smarter. Our citizenry will be smarter. The electorate will be smarter and Massachusetts will be better. That's that's really exactly right. And I'm going to say that that million dollars goes up every year by inflation. So in case anyone thinks they're going to catch up to that, it's going to keep going up that that cut line of of who gets taxed by this. So look, Monty, before we go, we should note that um, tomorrow at 1.30, Pulaski Park in downtown Northampton, Lindsay Tabadosa, our state rep out in Northampton, will be there hosting a number of people, including our our Senator Ed Markey will be out here and yours truly also so that we know that's a big draw. Oh so my God, we'll Max Page is going to be there. I've totally yes, changed I my will. mind yes, on I question will. one now. I'm totally <laughs> voting yes on question one. Oh, you are Christopher Belmonte. That's great. Monty, I voted for that too. All right. Well, great. Thanks, Max Page. Uh, thanks for joining us every week. Max Page is the president of the Mass Teachers Association. He is from Amherst and this is your last day to early in person vote. For this election, if you have a mail-in ballot, you probably should have mailed it in already, but get it in there now or drop it off at one of those drop boxes that they have. There is some absentee ballot, uh, ballot voting that is still in person up through Monday, and election day is Tuesday, and we'll see how it all shakes out. We'll have live election coverage right here on WHMP that night. Thanks, as always. Max Page. Thank you, Monty, Monty slash Christopher. Coming up, Mr. Universe. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Voting as well as early voting is the way to go. It shows that we trust the voters. They know why they need an early ballot. They know why they need an absentee ballot. It's not up to government to decide if it's a legitimate reason or not. The voters should get to choose. So this, I think, is a huge advance. 1015-1400-1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Looking for the perfect place to watch the game? Hi, I'm Caleb Hiliadis, head brewer of Amherst Brewing. Make the Hangar Pub and Grill your go-to spot to catch all the action this season. Our famous wings come with your choice of 26 flavors, and with 25 years of beer making experience, there's an Amherst Brewing beer for every drinker. Now that's a winning combo. Join us for weekly trivia nights in Amherst, Westfield, Agawam, South Hadley, and Greenfield. Visit HangarPub.com for more of what we have cooking and brewing today. Hi, this is Dr. Jenny Garber, former college athlete and now arthroscopic and shoulder surgeon at New England Orthopedic Surgeons. I'm proud to be one of the board-certified team of doctors who's ready to tackle any orthopedic or sports injury, from shoulders and elbows to knees and ankles and everything in between. Here's this week's injury wrap-up for your New England football team. Wide receiver Devontae Parker's day ended after just one snap on Sunday as he suffered a knee injury in the first quarter of the Patriots game against the Jets and did not return. And while it could keep Parker out this week, he's not expected to miss any games past Sunday. Defensive lineman Christian Barmore missed his second straight game on Sunday and continues to rehab the knee he injured against Cleveland. He's questionable for this Sunday's home game against Indy. This week's injury wrap-up is brought to you by New England Orthopedic Surgeons. With convenient locations in Springfield, East Longmeadow, and now Northampton, you can trust we'll give you the best bona fide care. So visit anyortho.com to schedule your appointment today because at New England Orthopedic Surgeons, our team will get you back in the game.
Josh is marching to honor his late father-in-law, who loved walking and cared deeply about fighting for communities. The old folks at the Lathrop community are teaming up with the young folks at Hilltown Charter and forming a team together. Molly hosted an accordion-themed bingo night to support the food bank. Different is good. The March for the Food Bank 13 is almost here, but it's not too late to get involved in any weird and wacky way that suits you. There's still time to start a team in March. Support a team. Come up with your own crazy event. Each dollar raise provides four healthy and nutritious meals for our neighbors in need. The Food Bank provided almost 12 million meals last year. If we can raise a half a million dollars together, that'll mean two million meals for our neighbors who rely on emergency food next year. Join Monty's March for the Food Bank 13, 43 miles from Springfield to Greenfield, Monday and Tuesday of Thanksgiving week, November 21st and 22nd, montysmarch.com. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. It's time for what Bill Newman likes to call Salman Hamid's ridiculously large and largely ridiculous universe. But then he says it used to be called that, and he just makes the intro longer by bringing that up in the first place. But I just call him Mr. Universe when he's a regular guest on Mondays on my show on the river. Mr. Universe, we're talking about one thing that I love which is Brian Eno, and one thing that I am worried about, which is climate change and how those things are related. Do tell. Well, so um, I, I'm glad that two of your passions are coming together. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I, I wish it was in a happier circumstances. Uh, but there is a big climate conference starting on, on November 6th, uh, so a couple of days from now, and it will go till November 18th. It is called COP27, uh, and it sounds sort of like, you know, we're going to be putting our planet under arrest, Yeah, but that is not the case. It is uh, the Conference of the Parties, and this is an annual conference uh, under United Nations that tries to figure out uh, what should we do about our uh, climate change that is being caused by humans. And oftentimes nothing much happens, but still uh, countries come together. This time they are meeting in Egypt. Uh, and uh, Biden, President Biden is going to be there. There are expected more than 100 uh, heads of states. And we'll once again figure out uh, how to like you know, transition to renewable energies and how to balance out development and our reliance on fossil fuels and this is a good time because i mean good time meaning not we have a good time but good time meaning to say we've had for example floods in pakistan you've had drought uh, in the u.s you've had terrific uh, sort of like awful uh, cyclones in east asia you have famine in africa so we know i don't think that needs to be conveyed that we are in trouble the problem is, can we really come together to deal with it? And we all will have to make sacrifices. And I think that's what's lacking. Now, the other thing that's brewing that could have catastrophic climatological consequences is the war between Russia and Ukraine. There's an Associated Press story today talking about uh, not if, but when Russia may use a nuclear weapon, even a small scale nuclear weapon in the war against Ukraine and the preparations that are happening in regards to that. Um, do you think that th this 
diplomatically is something that's going to be effective this COP27, the uh, the meeting of the parties that are happening in Egypt to try to talk about the climate? Or, or are we, as a world, too at odds to make any real change uh, of consequence happen? Well, I mean, dispute is the key topic that is being discussed uh, at COP27. The problem is, I mean, I know, I mean, it's it's even with this war, Right from the beginning, I mean, if we just uh, take that stance, and I don't want to divert our attention from the issue of climate to the issue of war in that sense, but there have been very real effort to for peace negotiations. I mean, have you heard sort of like, you know, that, okay, well, I mean, since U.S. is a major party in there in some sense, like, you know, that U.S. is leading these efforts to bring everybody together onto the table to figure out how can we end the war? That has actually been relatively less. You're not hearing that much. Instead, you're hearing a lot about arms and ammunition. You're hearing a lot about how, and, and yes, Russia, I mean, I think it, it is very clear that Russia is the aggressor and it's terrible. But I think from a larger context, it's also the efforts to end the war. That has been in some sense lacking. And that brings us back to COP. 27, like, you know, that, yeah, I mean, these are all hard decisions. It's not going to be a zero-sum game, but how do we, where do we compromise and how do we do it? I think that is, it is now a matter of, um, I mean, it's an existential crisis. And, uh, and, and we have, Monty, you and I have talked about it. I think I talked about it in, on Bill's show as well uh, with the DART mission. NASA mission that went out and it deflected the asteroid because we consider an asteroid threat a serious one. And so we spent a lot of money in, in to figure out sort of like, you know, how are we going to deflect if an asteroid that is coming in to hit the planet because then it could end life as we know it. Well, guess what? It's not about the asteroid. Everybody was excited about the asteroid. Everybody's like, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll it will save us from the as potential asteroid impact. No, but we have an equal or larger threat right now where we know species are being extinct. We know climate is being changed at a very fast rate. We know we have already, I mean, the, the climate goal was to constrain warming of oceans to one and a half degrees. We have already reached 1.1 degrees. So we know those things are happening. And yet... When it comes to reacting to that, the reaction has been, well, you know, it's tough. You know, we do have to use fossil fuels. Or, well, you know, I mean, like, you know, yeah, these negotiations are hard. I think, the, I mean, the, the, this is, I mean, I'm going to say, like, you know, I hope there will be historians to look back at it. But <laughs> if there are other alien species that, uh, that may look back at it, they'll be like, it's a little weird. That it was pretty clear that this was happening, and yet there was dysfunctionality to a level where we just kept on uh, sleepwalking into a disaster. Well, it's interesting and, that uh, the movie, the cautionary tale, Don't Look Up, is a cautionary tale allegory about the dangers of climate change. But in that movie, the world gets together to figure out how to avert asteroid disaster and do it poorly. In reality, the opposite is happening. We did a really great job at figuring out how to divert an asteroid, but 
Uh, we're not doing a really great job when it comes to figuring out how to divert climate change. We're talking with Hampshire College astronomer Dr. Salman Hamid, Mr. Universe, about COP27, the international meeting about climate change that's going to be happening in Egypt coming up. We'll hear why an astronomer is weighing in on the climate and or meteorology and on what Brian Eno has to do with all this. It's Monty Belmonte in for Bill Newman on The Bill Newman Show. We'll be right back. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Now the latest from WHMP, I'm Monty Belmonte, in for Jess Tyler. Amherst Town Councilors met for more than six hours Tuesday night to discuss an incident that took place over the summer, where a group of teenagers temporarily detained after a noise complaint were told by an officer that they didn't have any rights. The interaction was captured on video, sparking outrage in the Amherst community and prompting debates about systemic problems within the police department. While the town has acknowledged the officer behaved inappropriately, a review by the town's Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Office found no wrongdoing. Like many community members, Dr. Demetria Shabazz, co-chair of the town's Community Safety and Social Justice Committee, said more needs to be done to right this wrong. The chief's narrative reflects his support of his officers, and that is in part why we are here in this moment. He has expressed some regret over the erroneous statement of, of the officer, but that does not amount to an apology. Just before the meeting concluded around 1 a.m., counselors voted on a plan that would have formed an ad hoc committee to develop a proposal for repair and reconciliation to those affected by police misconduct. The motion failed to pass by one vote and no action was taken after the six-hour discussion. Prosecutors believe they've arrested the man responsible for the 1966 murder of a 10-year-old girl from Chicopee. The cold case came to a close when 73-year-old Donald Mars made significant statements related to the murder. Mars was arraigned in Hamden Superior Court yesterday morning and appeared in poor health. Mars is classified by the state as a level 3 sex offender and had been living at a veteran's hospital in Bedford at the time of his arrest Wednesday. He was denied a right to bail and will appear again in court in May for a pretrial conference. Hi, I'm Nick Orozco. Partly cloudy and mild tonight with lows in the low to mid 50s. Warm and dry this weekend with temperatures in the low to mid 70s. I'm Nick Orozco on 101.5 WHMP. Yo soy Johan Rashivega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. La almirante Rachel Levine, la funcionaria transgénero de más alto rango en los Estados Unidos, dice que es optimista y que las campañas contra las personas trans se desvanecerán con el tiempo, pero podrían empeorar, advierte Levine, antes de que lo hagan. En este momento, el tratamiento de afirmación de género para los jóvenes es la punta de lanza de las guerras culturales, dijo Levine, subsecretaria de Salud de Estados Unidos. Los anuncios que hacen afirmaciones falsas sobre las opiniones médicas para personas transgénero se publican en muchos estados indecisos sobre el ciclo electoral de mitad de periodo. Algunos candidatos republicanos en la boleta electoral en estados de todo el país se comprometen a aprobar leyes que limitarían o prohibirían el cuidado trans. Y las leyes de identificación de votantes más estrictas en muchos estados discutirán que muchos votantes transgénero ayuden a decidir esas elecciones. La tormenta política sigue a una década de creciente atención a la identidad de género, los pronombres, las opciones de tratamiento transgénero, el uso del baño y la elegibilidad deportiva. Algunos padres, maestros y médicos han adoptado el rápido ritmo de cambio, otros son cautelosos y algunos rechazan el movimiento por completo. 
En otras informaciones y mientras el día de las elecciones en Massachusetts se acerca, siendo este el martes 8 de noviembre, este viernes 4 de noviembre es el último día para votar de forma anticipada en persona en la alcaldía de Holyoke. La elección será oficialmente el martes 8 de noviembre y ese día los votantes podrán ejercer su derecho al sufragio en la casilla electoral designada para su área de vivienda. Para consultar dónde se encuentra su casilla de votación, puede visitar la página web de la ciudad en holyoke.org para obtener más información. Yo soy Johan Reshivega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. And those are the ambient space sounds of new music from Brian Eno, the legendary performer from Roxy Music, the incredible producer, the founder of ambient music in some ways with his Ambient One Music for Airports, which is arguably the album I've listened to most in my life. And we're going to figure out how this ties into what Hampshire College astronomer Dr. Salman Hamid, Mr. Universe, is talking to us about with COP27. Remind us what COP27 stands for, Mr. Universe. That is Conference of the Parties, and it is about uh, climate change. Uh, and it's an annual conference um, um, uh, held uh, sort of like, you know, under United Nations. And the next one is from November 6th through November 18th in Egypt. Now, people may say, why do you have an astronomer on talking about the climate? What does an astronomer have to do with or be interested in the climate? Well, answer that for us. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> well, two things. First of all, as a human being, we should be talking about climate change. Yes. Because uh, we are inhabitants of this planet. Uh, but there are two reasons. One, uh, of course, Earth is a planet and planets reside in the universe. So <laughs> that plays a role in it. But... Uh, Actually, we know a lot about our climate by studying other planets in our solar system. Uh, so, for example, the, uh, the global warming issue, we actually uh, figured out and understood more about it while studying a much extreme case of that on the planet Venus. Uh, and so, and in the same way, for example, the ozone layer, I mean, that challenge, we know what can, what could happen when we look at Mars, which doesn't have the ozone there. So in fact, studying other planets tell us a lot about our own planet uh, and, and so uh, about, about the Earth. So in some sense, uh, that actually is a great way of figuring it out what's happening here. Uh, and so for astronomers, I mean, I think it's a really, and in fact, I would say, This is a great argument when somebody says, hey, what's the point of studying sort of like, you know, these type of things that are far away or uh, like astronomy, which doesn't have a direct practical benefit? Well, this is precisely the argument that you have to invest in curiosity for the sake of curiosity, because you never know how that's going to make an impact. And I mentioned Venus. There was a huge debate in the 50s. Whether we, I mean, we knew Venus had clouds, but some people thought that uh, that means that Venus would have a beautiful, wonderful, temperate climate. And others were saying, no, it would have extreme case of global warming and it would be extremely hot. So the question was purely scientific, purely from curiosity perspective. At that time, there were no practical implications. 
But now we know that it has played a huge part in making us understand about the issues of global warming here on Earth. What happened on Venus that caused runaway uh, global warming? I guess Venus warming. I don't know if they call it a globe there. <laughs> well, it is still a globe. But, <laughs> I guess it's globe-shaped, yes. It is a much thicker uh, atmosphere, so and it is also closer to the sun. So we think that, yeah, there may have been an ocean uh, on Venus a long time ago, but then this is something called the green, uh, the runaway greenhouse effect because water itself is also a greenhouse gas. And so as the water got evaporated, it contributed to the atmosphere even more, and it has a lot of carbon dioxide as well over there from natural processes. And so it just comes into a cycle where more and more, as more and more water is being evaporated into the atmosphere, the atmosphere is getting warmer and warmer. And so until eventually all of the water was evaporated uh, into the atmosphere. And so Venus, of course, is an extreme case. And it wasn't human-induced or Venusian-induced. Uh, <laughs> that we change. know of. That we know of. But it tells us of how we can actually study it that when you have an extreme case, when you have a lot more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, for example, when you have a lot of water in the atmosphere, what happens? And so then we can apply those lessons to Earth and we can actually see what's going on uh, here uh, on a much lower level. But then we can say, okay, well, what if it starts to increase a bit? How is it going to impact? It's a great laboratory to test our ideas. What about the ozone layer? In the 80s, there was much ballyhoo about the hole in the ozone layer, and we changed some of the things that we did, and I think that that's not as big of an issue, but you said Mars is a cautionary tale about Earth and its ozone layer. How do those things play out? Right, so this is a great example that actually for the ozone layer, which there was a huge hole over, uh, uh, over uh, Antarctica, I think it was uh, down in the South Pole, and um, and humans actually got together and we banned a lot of substances. We changed sort of like the hydrofluorocarbons, for example, that were used in refrigeration units and in spray cans and things like that. And actually ozone has been uh, sort of like, you know, recovered. And so that is a great example. But I think the bigger one of our climate, the current climate change is being driven by fossil fuels. And that has been a much harder problem, and I think it's a much bigger, uh, bigger risk. With ozone, that protects us from sun's ultraviolet radiation. So the concern with lack of ozone or a hole in the ozone layer was that we are going to get sort of like, you know, zapped by a lot more ultraviolet radiation leading to uh, sort of like, you know, cancers and other kind of mutations and things like that. Is that why Mars is the red planet? It has a sunburn because it doesn't have any UV protection? <laughs> Uh, no, but probably that's the reason why it doesn't have uh, sort of like, you know, running life over there. I mean, there may still be life, but it's microbial and it's uh, in cracks and crevices. It has a very thin atmosphere. Its atmosphere is about only 1% of the atmosphere of the Earth. So, but that's one of the reasons potentially why there is no life on the surface. Now, we've been teasing this since we began talking, Hampshire College astronomer Dr. Salman Hamid, Mr. Universe. How does Brian Eno play into all this, the, uh, the songwriter, the producer, the man behind Roxy Music in its early days? He's produced so many U2 albums. He's worked with David Byrne. What is, how does this tie into what we're talking about today? And he had a great album about Apollo, Apollo mission that was used uh, uh, sort of like you know, in one of the documentaries back in the 80s. But his new album that has just come out a couple of weeks ago, it's called and there is no space in it, 
forever and ever no more. And this is directly related to his reaction to or his feelings regarding climate change. And this is a sort of like, you know, there are songs in it. I mean, oftentimes uh, his music doesn't have songs, but this one certainly do. It's a haunting album. Uh, and it has come with a message from him, sort of like, you know, there, there are liner notes which you don't usually get, in which he explicitly says, like, you know, that he says, yeah, we know from science what is going on. But he says, but like, you know, but he has been trying to get it sort of like, you know, that how does it feel? What should we do? And so this is what he says. He says that these songs, he says these aren't propaganda songs to tell you what to believe and how to act. Instead, they are my own exploration of my own feelings. The hope is that they will invite you, the listener, to share those experiences and explorations. And one, I think the song that you, or sort of like you know, the music that the beginning of you played, I think that's a beautiful one called Garden of Stars, in which he talks about sort of like, you know, that it has taken these billion years will end. And then he keeps on repeating, and then I said, they end in me. And then he talks about sort of like, you know, that how hard it is for life to develop. And he says, and how could it be that we appear at all in all this rock and fire, in all this gas and dust? Are we not each a flame, all born to live in light and born to give our light? And this is what he, so his recipe, what, he, what he's trying to say, and, and he actually says that later on in his liner notes, he says, I'm more and more convinced that our only hope of saving our planet is if we begin to have different feelings about it. Perhaps if, they, if we become re-enchanted by the amazing improbability of life. Perhaps if we suffered regret and even shame or at what we have already lost. Perhaps if we uh, felt exhilarated by the challenges we face and what might yet become possible. And then he says, briefly, we need to fall in love again, but this time with nature, with civilization, and with our hopes for the future. That's... So it's just... I mean, it's amazing, and, and you know, and that's where he breaks up. Like, you know, so if you listen uh, to this album, I mean, and I'm saying it nicely. I mean, it's haunting, but it's but it's also the right tone in terms of how we should think about our planet. That's Hampshire College astronomer Dr. Salman Hamid, Mr. Universe, rhapsodizing about Brian Eno's new album. This is from that album. It's called Garden of Stars. You can hear more about it and more of the actual songs when he comes and talks on my show on Monday on 93.9 The River. Also pay attention to what goes on at COP27, the conference of parties happening in Egypt talking about climate change in the international community and what we can do to help save this planet. As always, thank you very much, Hampshire College astronomer Dr. Salman Hamid. Mr. Universe, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Hello, I'm Sheriff Patrick Kaling, and I'm honored to be the Democratic nominee for Hampshire County Sheriff. I hope you will stay with me and vote Kaling in the general election. Early voting starts on October 22nd, and Election Day is November 8th. And remember, a vote for me is a vote for a kind, compassionate, and progressive future for corrections in Hampshire County. This ad was paid for by the committee to elect Patrick J. Kaling.
This is uh, from Rioja, and this is the Tierra. That means Earth. Thank, Thank you. you. I knew my language acquisition <laughs> would come in handy. Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street. When you compare Spanish wines, Rioja especially, which is kind of like the Bordeaux of Spain, 90% of the time, stuff that you can get for $12, $15, $20 for Rioja is going to rival things that you're going to get for $30, $35 for Bordeaux. The Tierra is still under $20 at $18.99. I mean, give me a break. I know. Yeah. Nose a little dustier on this one. Yeah. And fruity. Almost like a caramel, actually. It's like cherry cola. Oh, yeah, and this is a, is a Crianza. It is a Crianza. Which is a newer, like a fresher Rioja, right? That's true. Not yeah. quite Hoven. Crianza, it, it doesn't involve nearly as much of the barrel aging as a Reserva or Grand Reserva. I love this. Find your favorite wine and your next favorite wine at State Street Fruit Store Deli Wines and Spirits. Meet with MiraVista virtually and make your next career move a reality. On Monday, November 7th, MiraVista Behavioral Health Center is hosting a virtual hiring event for RNs and LPNs. MiraVista offers a great working environment, competitive wages and benefits, and sign-on bonuses up to $15,000. A variety of full-time, part-time, and per diem shifts are available. Join a caring team of professionals dedicated to making a life-changing difference for individuals affected by mental health and substance abuse. For details, visit miravistabhc.care. In the mood for takeout? Want to find yoga classes, music lessons, or art supplies nearby? Save 30% on full-value gift certificates to dozens of local businesses and services from Springfield to Brattleboro and everywhere in between. Whether it's a quick bite for lunch, something nice for a special occasion, or just an excuse for some good old retail therapy, save 30% on full-value gift certificates at the Shop 30 store at whmp.com. Want to support the kind of local talk you hear on The Bill Newman Show? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And we'll be supporting the local news, valley talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com, and add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP, Your message at whmp.com. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. It's time for our weekly look at what's going on in the art world with our art beat host, Donna Bell Cassis, who's talking about open studios and has an open forum of open studios guests with her today. <laughs> Donabelle. I have a plethora, <laughs> plethora of artists today. Thank you, Monty. Good morning. You know, the holiday season is literally just around the corner, although they've been telling us since July. Um, that's when the pumpkin spice came out, and that's when I knew it was holiday time. <laughs> July is the new November. Yeah. Anyway, um, shopping at Open Studios, I find, is the best way to find something for everyone while supporting local artists. It's a win-win. I look forward to these events every year. And today we are joined by four artists who will open their studios during these events um, all over East Hampton and Florence. And I'll start off with Kim Carlino. Kim, you are a painter working in the Eastworks building in East Hampton and the Eastworks Open Studios will kick off the series with their event happening this weekend. November 5th and 6th. 
tell us what can we look forward to and what amazing things are happening in your studio? Yeah, thanks Donabelle for, for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm on the planning committee and um, we're, you know, our event is this Saturday and Sunday, like you said, from 10 to 5. We also have an after party on Saturday from 6 to 8 featuring DJ Studebaker Hawk. I think, you know, our event is four floors. Um, it's a mix of artists, makers, entrepreneurs, nonprofits, small businesses. We have 51 participants, uh, new ones this year, mm. uh, seven musical performances over two days, uh, featuring King Manzi, a really fun new duo, the Rocking Puppies, a father-daughter duo, uh, club, which is a big band, um, to name a few. Uh, we have mm -hmm. many events planned throughout the building, uh, and we're featuring a performance fest this year uh, called Bite Sized Blends, and East Hampton Media will be hosting that in their space. And um, yeah, so you know, I think in in my space, I'll be featuring a new series of work. It's called Digital Malaise um, and um, a new mural that I did and a bunch of new swag. I like to do swag um, for open studios. I and love the swag. I've been watching your posts on, on the gram and uh, those bags are really cool. And if you haven't been to the Eastworks Open Studios, it's at 116 Pleasant Street. And again, it kicks off this weekend. It's going to be a gorgeous weekend to go out and about <clears throat> November 5th and 6th from 10 to 5. I'm impressed by how much is happening there. It is a huge building, so uh, pace yourself. And it's a good thing um, Bill Newman isn't week. here because I'm 90% sure he doesn't know either what swag or the gram is. <laughs> Sorry. Swag <laughs> is fun stuff to buy, usually with yes. some branding on it, and the gram is uh, the weight. No, I'm sorry. It's in. It's uh, Instagram. Continue, no, Don Abella Cassis. Stop, Monty. All right, all right. Mm. Okay, and then the following weekend, November 12th and 13th, the Arts and Industry Building, Brushworks Arts and Industry Building in Florence will open their doors. And Tiffany Hilton is a potter working in one of those studios. Tiffany, I love seeing your gorgeous pottery online. This is the 30th annual Open Studios, by the way, at Brushworks. What's going on that weekend? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, and I just want to say I'm really excited to go to Eastworks Open Studio this weekend. I love going to all these events myself. You know, mm -hmm. I moved to Florence to be part of the, the Brushworks building, and then I bought a house here after I found a studio there. So um, it's such a vibrant community and a beautiful historic building. And um, usually we have between 40 and 50 artists participating who are like renters there, and then we sneak all these other guest artists um, into the hallway nooks and crannies and and usually have over 50 people as well wow. and our event is next weekend november 12th and 13th it's 10 to 5 both days um, my pro tip is to go to the fourth floor and start there and work your way down to <laughs> the bottom there's some like weird harry potter half floor in there from, <laughs> and like combining three different buildings um, but we have you know, woven scarves, we have fiber artists, clothing, jewelry, Judaica, ceramics, wood bowls from um, Spencer, Peter Spencerman, 
photography, painting, sculpture, um, you name it. And aside from that, there's also yoga studios and archery studios and a rock climbing wall. It's just a really fun building to explore. It kind of is sort of like a, a, a hidden gem. You sort of go around and find these nooks and crannies. And I like that you're actually putting people in those nooks and crannies. Some people will be surprised to see what they're offering. So if you haven't been to the Brushworks Arts and Industry Building, it's in Florence and it's at 221 Pine Street. It's that iconic white um, mill building. And uh, like you said, Tiffany, November 12th and 13th, so not this weekend, but the next weekend from 10 to 5. Sounds really cool. I can't wait to go to that. That's in my, my own hometown. Now, starting in December, December 4th, 5th, and 11th, the Cottage Street Studios will be open for business. And Matt Simons, you're an artist there. Um, Cottage Street, gosh, it's been opening its doors since 1986. What yes. kind of, it's, that's, that's just incredible. Mm. It's just incredible. I love how there's so much uh, vibrant studio space there is around. And you're in East Hampton. What's going on over at the Cottage Street Studios? Well, it's a good mix of uh, artists and makers. We have over 30 artists. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we have some artists that are nationally and if not internationally known. We also have some new emerging artists. Uh, it's a combination of painters, fine um, printmakers, um, you know, photography. Uh, it's on multiple floors. And, you know, it's just a good mix of really good art and gifts. Um, the open studios are December 3rd, 4th, and 10th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, I would encourage everyone to uh, park in the back. There's much more space there. And uh, we are on multiple floors as well. So I'd say come on by and, and see some wonderful art. Matt, what will you be having in your studio? I do fine art printmaking, so both large and small format. Um, and it, I do mostly abstract, but there are some representational. Uh, I also have some handmade uh, uh, greeting cards that are kind of fun and whimsical. So uh, a bunch of different things for everybody. That's so great. And again, the Cottage Street Open Studios is located at One Cottage Street in East Hampton. And um, that's another one to put on your schedule. And then after a two-year hiatus, the Paragon Arts and Industry Building in East Hampton will finally open its doors. It'll cap off the season with a one-day-only event on December 10th. Maggie Nowinski, amazing artist, uh, has a studio there. How thrilling to finally be able to hold this event. What can we look forward to on December 10th? Yeah, well, thank, thank you for asking. We're so excited to be back. Um, and this year we have um, about 20 artists and we're talking to a few people who we're inviting for um, setting up in the hallways and sort of the nooks and crannies idea. Um, mm -hmm. So we're hoping to actually have a few more things going on as well. Um, but 20 artists and a lot of people are new. The building is under new management as of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, there's been a lot of upgrades and the building is, is feeling really good. Um, but our doors have been shut for two years, so we're really excited to open them and, you know, kind of the week before this, the winter solstice um, kind of bring some light into the building. Um, and we have a lot of different artists working across different disciplines um, 
a number of artists actually who are the Mount Holyoke College uh, professors will be there. Um, they have studios there. Uh, we also have, you know, fine furniture and um, repurposed furniture uh, makers and textiles and printmakers, sculptors. So we're really excited and it's a one day event, just one day from 11 to 6, um, Saturday, December 10th. So and I'm excited for it. And the Paragon Studios are at 150 Pleasant Street in East Hampton. So much to see and do. Get your lists ready. I know I mm -hmm. have mine ready and your comfortable <laughs> shoes because you're going to be, <laughs> there's going to be a lot to see. Yes. Kim Carlino, Tiffany Hilton, Matt Simons, and Maggie Nguyenzi, thank you for joining us today. Good luck with your open studios. I'll see you there. And um, what an amazing event for the community, mm -hmm. too. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Donabelle. And here's one of the bands playing at East Hampton Open Studios this weekend. It's King Manzi. For Bill Newman, I'm Monty Belmonte. We'll talk to you again on Monday. is Bill Newman, WHMP. Skates cutting the ice and sticks pounding boards. The slap of the puck and a ping off the post. The chirp of the whistle and the blaring of the horn. Hockey is here. Tune in for all the sounds of the season right here on the UMass Sports Network. 1015. 1400 and 1240 WHMP. Using WIC is easier than ever. Now you can use the WIC card instead of checks for your food purchases. WIC is a free nutrition program that helps working families stretch their food budget and make healthy choices. WIC helps families learn to shop for nutritious foods and offers resources like online nutrition education and an app to make shopping easier. Visit us online at mass.gov slash WIC to find out if you qualify. This message is brought to you by the Massachusetts Department of Public Health's WIC Nutrition Program. Live and local news and talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. A Northampton Radio Group Station.